You're listening to the Bramboos Podcast with Vincenzo Landino. With me today is Mark Fidelman, which I learned that today, by the way, for, for everyone listening on the podcast. I didn't even know. I think I called him every other name in the book. That's because we never talked face to face, right, Mark? That's right. That's right. Yeah. Um, and I'm used to it. So no problem, Vincenzo. <laughs> well, I didn't want to say Fidel. You know, some people are like, oh, it's not Fidel. Why are you calling me Fidelman? I like it. I like it. You're the CEO for Evolve Inc., a digital marketing agency, also the author of Socialized, which some have called the playbook for social business. Am I right or wrong? Yeah, I'd say some. Yeah. <laughs> if you're another author, if you're a competitive author, you probably aren't saying that. Mark is, well, I'm not a competitive author, so there you go, right? You're also a contributor for Forbes, which brings us to why you're here today because we had some encounters on social media that uh, from some a couple articles that you wrote in Forbes, and uh, we'll talk about those a little bit later in the show, not too much later, but uh, I just want to talk a little bit about agency business and what is going on for you, how is agency life right now, and what are the trends you're seeing amongst your clients, and if you can name the clients, even better. If you can't, I totally get it, but if you can talk a little bit about the trends you're seeing based on what the current digital trends are and are clients reacting to these? Do they even know what's going on or are they leaving it up to you altogether, Mark? Uh-huh. You know, great question. I think they fall into three buckets that we've seen. I don't know about you, Vincenzo, but one is there's clients that come to you that say, I've heard about all these great things. We now have the money to hire an agency like you. We just need your guidance. So essentially take over our marketing department for six months, train people on our team to deliver on social, on uh, offline, on you know whatever, uh, wherever their target market is. So there, there's that one group. The second group is you know we know exactly what we're doing. We just need you to run very come up with the ideas and run very creative campaigns. So these are typically your larger corporations that have experienced staff that understand kind of the social networks, understand how to use email and webinars understand how to use direct mail. There's still, still some clients that uh, are using direct mail. And then third is, is where we, we find startups that might have a very talented marketing person, but they don't have the team and they don't have the money to hire a complete team out. So they'll come to us and say, you know, we need X, Y, and Z done. We'll come in with five or six people that they're not paying full time, of course, and we'll run essentially 80% of their marketing under their direction. So those are the three buckets that we see. I don't know if you see anything different. No, it's right around the same thing. I've actually gotten, I don't even know if this is, it's kind of goes into your first bucket where they've heard about things. They need some guidance. They want you to come in and train and deliver. I've, I guess I would even go as far as saying there are some that are looking, they have what they think is somewhat of a marketing department or a digital team. And they just want, the guidance portion. They just almost want consulting. And it's like, I don't know. I, I, for a while, I was turning it down because I didn't offer it. It wasn't, I wasn't a consultant. We were, we were an agency. And then I realized that there was so many asking for that. They just wanted guidance. They were like, we will give you money to just tell us what to do. <laughs> I said, all right, well, this looks like it's a service we should offer. But um, it, it just goes to show how and, and you can jump in if you want. I'm going to say something, and if you disagree, that's fine. I think the digital landscape is changing so quickly, and I, I know that seems so obvious, but it's we're seeing such rapid developments, almost almost daily. Would would you like? What do you think? Do you, are you seeing daily changes to the landscape? Well, 
just look at Facebook Messenger, just look at some of the things that Snapchat's doing, just look at all the things happening at once. Uh, I mean, it's tough for you and I to keep up with it, and we're using it every single day, multiple times a day. So I would agree. And to your comment about uh, consulting, I've, we fear taking on that role, so I'll give you a lot of credit for taking that on because I'm always worried about the execution. You know, we could set strategy, mm-hmm. but if you're not executing that strategy, if you don't have the intricacies of executing a cross uh, platform integrated marketing campaign, you're going to fail at it. And we look bad because we gave you that strategy. So we, we kind of always want to at least be involved in the execution as well. No, and I, I agree a hundred percent. There's, there's no opportunity that I would pass up if they're like, if I had two equal opportunities, one was just to consult and one was to consult and execute. I, you know, all day I would take the execution and people are like, well, why would you take that? It's more work. And I said, well, it's not more work. It's exactly what you just said. It's delivering what I am telling you that should be done. Um, and, and along those lines, you know, where those clients are looking for guidance, I'm seeing because things are changing so quickly and you said, you know, it's hard for us to keep up. I find that it's also become a little bit more difficult. I don't want to say difficult, but a little more challenging to convince some of the clients to be on specific platforms. And I know you have some strong feelings towards this. <laughs> we'll definitely jump into that conversation in a little bit. But yeah. if we can keep that, maybe that specific yeah. idea out right now, do you do you get that feeling from some clients? They're like, oh, every single one. I mean, the, the problem is we've got people that think they know marketing and think they understand how to do marketing out there telling people you should be doing X, Y, and Z. Then they go try it and they fail miserably. So this is what I got into earlier about we have to be responsible, uh, you know, marketers to say, this is what works. This is what doesn't work, at least in our own worlds, you know, and, and you might have a different perspective than me and you might have a better strategy than me in executing on a particular uh, program or campaign. But we all have to be responsible and not just keep touting Twitter, for example. I see a lot of influencer marketing agencies touting Twitter still as a place to promote products and services. Yeah, you can do that. It's not going to be anywhere near what you could you could do on, on, on YouTube. Uh, so I, I see a lot of this irresponsibility and we just all as marketers get tainted with that irresponsibility from people that don't know what they're what they're talking about. Uh, a couple questions based on what you just said. So influencer marketing, you said there's a lot of influencer marketing on Twitter. People are pushing or agencies are pushing to Twitter and you feel that YouTube is a better play. And I, I know plenty of YouTubers that will agree with you, but can you give me a couple of reasons why YouTube is a better play than say Twitter? I'm going to even go with Facebook. Let's see if you can make a case, if you can or can't make a case against Facebook. Yeah. Um, what is it in YouTube that you see is so valuable for a brand, even even you know any business to be on? Yeah, uh, great point. So there's multiple reasons. One with Twitter. So I've got sixty thousand followers on Twitter. What would you guess uh, as a percentage of people that e- are even exposed to every tweet that I put out there? What would you guess? Uh, it, uh, honestly, I, I, I the number is probably anywhere between five to seven percent. Exactly. So that's really the challenge. And then it disappears and it's gone within minutes, right? Right. So to, to be able to run a, a, an effective campaign on Twitter uh, for me just isn't viable. I go to Twitter to kind of meet people, to promote what we're, t- what we're doing, uh, hoping that somebody clicks on a piece of content, takes them to our website. I mean, that's essentially what I do. I do a lot of fun, educational marketing stuff, uh, but Twitter wouldn't be a place that I'd call home for any kind of marketing campaign unless I'm using paid 
but I love Twitter. I don't want to take anything away from that. So now shifting to YouTube. So YouTube not only has the power of video, which all research and psychology, anybody that's done any kind of marketing research, if you're looking at a video and you're able to connect emotionally with that end customer, that end user, or even if you're just trying to educate them on what it is that your product does, has a far, far higher retention and far better results in, sort of, in terms of conversions than you'll see in text or even audio. And, you know, this has just been proven out and sure yeah, you could debate no, me on this. I, I no, I can't. I, I agree. I, I think video is front and center. Video's not going over. And I, and I'll let you finish a thought and I have a kind of a counterpoint as well, but go ahead. Yeah. So, um, so the best part about YouTube though, is as long as you're creating content that you have an audience that wants to see, and you have subscribers, by the way, that are emailed every time you put out a, a video. It's not like that on Twitter. Uh, it's got fantastic SEO value. So if you understand what keywords are and how to place them in your headlines, your text and tags, those videos start to show up, not just in YouTube when you do a search, but also in Google. So if you've got any, if you're selling a kind of product or service, or you're trying to educate somebody on a certain concept that helps them as a business person, and you know, they're entering that phrase into Google or YouTube, you're going to capture those eyeballs where you can't capture them on Facebook or on Twitter. Nobody's going to Twitter or Facebook. Very few people typing a phrase uh, where they need help with something. Why is it that brands, businesses, and even marketers, because th yeah. this, is, this is where I get a little agitated. Why is it that they're afraid of using YouTube and they would stick, they'd rather stick on, you know, like you said, Twitter, um, Facebook, Snapchat, whatever, any, any of these other platforms. But what's, what's the scary, like what's the put off on YouTube? What do you think it is? Cause well, I, uh, I think they're not always engaging and, uh, as attractive as you are. So I would say <laughs> that uh, you're well-spoken, you look good on camera. Uh, and a lot of people are afraid to getting on camera. So if they won't get on camera, that means they have to pay somebody else to get on camera. Right. Then you have to pay a video editing team. Mm -hmm. And then you got to, you know, you got to make sure your setup has got great lighting. Uh, I like two camera shoots. It gets expensive if you don't know what you're talking about. So compare that to Twitter or Facebook, uh, where essentially you could just type out a few phrases and then post. Um, it, I think that's the, the kind of a, the hurdle that people look at and say, forget YouTube. Yeah. And, and I'm shaking my head. You know, obviously my listeners can't see that, but I'm shaking my head because, and I, it's not you making the excuses. It just, it sounds like excuses. It sounds like laziness. It sounds like what you would call the typical millennial attitude, right? <laughs> the um, kind of like, ah, you know what? It's easier to do it elsewhere. Why bother here? And I guess it really irks me when marketers do it because they should know better. And yes, is it going to cost more money? Sure. Is it going to provide ROI? Absolutely. Is it measurable? Yes. Now, am I going to go and say that I've never believed in these other platforms? No. I I've definitely put a little bit of faith in other platforms. I still stand by a lot of what I said, specifically towards Facebook and Facebook video. But with YouTube, and, and I recently started a YouTube channel, my, my good friend, Savvy, Sexy, Social, Amy Schmidauer. I'm actually in her studio right this second um, doing this podcast. 
but uh, you know, she's helping me little by little with my YouTube channel. And of course, I still can't get it right. So I can just imagine the the hours of work that goes into it. I, I just think the benefits so far outweigh any of, any of the negatives, you know, like the so-called negatives that you just brought out. Um, but that's, it's, so that's my call to marketers. That's my call to brand marketers, to brands, is that if you're not on YouTube, if you're not, and I'm glad you brought, you know, we brought up YouTube because if you're not there and you're not creating video content that is searchable, is indexed by Google. If you're not creating this type of content, you're way behind the eight ball. I mean, and YouTube is, we could argue that YouTube is so five years ago, right? We could say, well, YouTube has been around. Like people have been using that for, I don't know, since what, 2000, probably more than five years ago, 2008, seven people have actually been using the platform as um, the way you're describing it. So I, I get a little agitated when I hear things like that because it just, it becomes that laziness. And I was talk I was talking to somebody else today about it, and it was the same exact it was almost exactly what you just said. It was that laziness. Like, oh well, it's two cameras and I have to go and get a camera. But you know what? I've I've got myself a Canon G7X, which is a, a point and shoot for all intents and purposes. It's not a you know, uh it's not a DSLR or anything. And I make some incredible video content on that camera, high definition content that is way better than some of the crap that brands or businesses are putting out there with really expensive stuff. So it doesn't take a lot of money. It just takes the knowledge and know-how and people like yourself, Mark, and an agency like Evolve um, to get in there and give you the right information. <clears throat> um, so I do, let, let's talk a little bit about, because now we're talking about influencer campaigns. We're talking about video. Let's talk about your take on Snapchat. You wrote an article, um, I think it was the beginning of March, right? It's been over a month now, six weeks almost. I think so. Yeah. Probably beginning of March. I think it was March 1st, March 1st or 2nd. I can't remember exactly, but you'd written an article entitled, uh, why Snapchat's a marketing loser. And, uh, and I have the data to back it up. Now I was part of a conversation on Facebook that kind of disputed it. Where's the data mark? Yada, yada. I will link that in the show notes. I will link to Mark's video and article in Forbes in the show notes, uh, for you listeners to check out make, you know, take your, draw your own conclusions from it. Um, it's not a knock against Mark that I disagree, but, uh, it's, it's just, it's simply a disagreement or, a, a a healthy debate on the topic. Mark, tell my listeners why you feel as such, because on this podcast, they hear a lot of positive about Snapchat. So give us the other side of the coin. Well, I mean, I, I'm not going to rip uh, Snapchat apart. I think it's a great platform. I use it. I see you on it. Um, but you know, I was very specific in, in what I was complaining about and that was the marketing side. And, you know, you've probably seen a few articles I posted where even Snapchat's talking about changing the platform to become more marketer friendly. Well, there's a reason why they need to make money and they need to keep guys like you and I happy. Of course. Now, some might complain, you know, that there's a sanctity of Snapchat and the way it works today and, and all that. But I'll tell you, you know, it's they can only go so long without making money on this platform. They can't go forever. So they're going to have to please the marketers and they got to figure out a way to do it uh, such that it doesn't distract too. Facebook started making these moves, you know, with more 
of uh, views that were uh, organically obtained, right? Mark- marketers complained bitterly. They jumped off the platform. Well, guess what? They've all come back and they've come back even stronger. If you're a Facebook shareholder, you know that their revenues keep doubling and tripling oh, yeah. uh, on a regular basis. So they just figured out a way to do it so that marketers are happy and, and um, you know, people like you and I that use Facebook are happy. So Snapchat's going to have to go through that. Uh, because they, they've just they've just got to make money. So my my complaints specifically are, and I'll list them here. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, you know the the marketing messages disappear. So I could spend all day creating this content. If you look at the Discover tab with ESPN, I watch it every day. They you know they're they're drawing from TV uh, content to to put it in there. So that's why it's high quality. It doesn't cost them much besides putting a few banners with text around it to to produce. But if I, you and I were to produce that. That would be millions of dollars if we were to do it on a regular day or, or every day. Now, I understand there are people that can produce content that every single day that is impactful, but I call those alpha uh, brand, personal branders. I mean, these are people who just naturally have charisma. And I'd say there's a very, you know, 1% of the population probably has that that can do it on a sustainable basis. Uh, number two, no outgoing links. I think every marketer uh, would agree, not every, but most marketers agree, not being able to link outside to something else to get them to purchase or to see something outside of Snapchat is very, very limiting, right? Uh, number three, uh, it's difficult to get new followers and to have followers follow you. Uh, the Snap code is a, just a re- reconstructed QR code and QR codes failed pretty miserably here. <laughs> I, would, I will submit that Snap codes are working better uh, than the QR codes did, uh, but it's still very difficult to to kind of attract an audience uh, unless you are like all in like you are. Uh, the short video duration, I think that's this is number four. It's just too small, ten seconds. I understand that you can produce ten second, ten second. You could keep doing these ten second chunks, but I'm like, why? And and I think Instagram agrees. Why are we limiting them to fifteen seconds? Let's go to a minute. Mm-hmm. And guess what? When they went to a minute, nobody complained. It wasn't a problem. So ten seconds to me. Uh, is a limiting factor. And then the analytics that disappear, I, I don't get it. I mean, why not keep the analytics on there, especially at the program level to see how I'm doing and, and be able to to rate and compare things that, that I've done on the, on the channel. Uh, and then uh, number six, I actually had a number six, you can't promote the content from other social networks. So you can't link in, you know, that's the beauty of Twitter. I directly, can link in directly. You mean, yeah. yeah, yeah, directly. I mean, I could link to a profile and hope you see it in that day, so that the content doesn't doesn't disappear before I get to it. Uh, I can hope for that. Uh, but uh, so those are those are some of the challenges I have, and they're, they're in my opinion they're very severe handicaps. And when we use Snapchat, because we use all social networks whenever we do campaigns, Snapchat was the uh, the worst performer. Mm-hmm. So that uh, that's why I wrote the article. No, and listen. I- I was one of those that uh, incessantly called you out. I'll be the first to admit. Uh, not only did I call you out, but I was, uh, you know, trying to draw you into conversations. Uh, some would say arguments over the the, the subject, uh, not because, you know, only I'm just looking for answers. So you mentioned Instagram and Snapchat, and I'm just going to bring a stat to you that I just read yesterday. I wrote this down. It said that Snapchat amongst U.S. teens in, in a survey um, done by uh, Piper Jaffrey said that 28% of teens are using are on Snapchat, and it's actually overtaken Instagram as their go-to social network of choice. 
is there value in that? And oh, and the average age of that survey of uh, nearly 6,400 teenagers uh, was 17 years old. Is there value in the teenage demographic? Do you, because yeah, okay, if we call it a marketing loser, that's fine. I'm not, whether I agree or disagree, it's, it's there. You put it out there. But is there value in the teenage demographic to where maybe brands need to pay more attention or any business needs to pay attention to it? Do you find value in that? Do, do your clients find value in that? Yeah. I mean, most of them are asking me, you know, why don't we try Snapchat because of the statistics that they're hearing? And I, and I do believe they're accurate. Uh, I think the challenge that I come up with uh, is that it's hard to reach all of them. You can't simply put out a campaign and reach all of those individuals right now. Uh, it just isn't, isn't possible. Whereas other platforms you can, especially on Facebook. It's unbelievable what you can narrow down to and reach on Facebook. You're very, very specific. Snapchat, that's nearly impossible. you got to build a following or pay an exorbitant amount of money to be on the Discover tab. I'm not even sure you can be on the Discover tab uh, right now, I think you could sponsor one day or yeah, something not like even, that. I know it's probably some ridiculous amount of money. Uh, and, and then we can circle back into influencers. So what about using influencers on Snapchat? I know you've done some stuff with influencer work on Snapchat. What is your take on that? Do you see it as a viable solution for brands? There, there's, there's some agencies that are saying that they're using influencers and their brands that are using them are crushing it, but crushing it is not a data metric. So what are you seeing? I'd say it's our highest um, engagement platform. So, but the brands I work for aren't paying for engagement when we're running campaigns. They love the fact that everyone's seeing the message, but nobody's clicking through to something to buy something nobody's taking snaps of the coupons that we put out there to go into the store. And I say nobody, I don't mean literally nobody. It was just a smaller percentage than any other platform we were using. So for them, in terms of ROI, uh, and I think you said this, uh, what I've advised them to do is Possible. build a platform, <laughs> build, a pla- build a presence on this platform if you believe that Snapchat will finally become a little bit more marketing friendly so you can have, you could see more conversions. So. I will give you that's the most engaging platform. If you have a thousand followers on Snapchat, there's a far higher percentage of them that will engage with your content than even YouTube. Uh, and all YouTube's pretty high as well because of the you know everyone's emailed the video. Uh, but the problem at this point is converting those those people to customers uh, just isn't there yet. I mean, it's fair enough. I I, I can't argue with your data, and and I'm, I'm not. This isn't an argument. This is just a discussion. And I'm, I, I love having a counterpoint. I always enjoy counterpoints. Anyone that's listened to the podcast before knows that I always love bringing two sides to a story, which is why Mark's here on the podcast. Because um, I love that he just... We don't agree on this specific topic, which is good. It's a good thing. And um, I guess until... like in its current In its current form, exactly the way it is, Mark, what... What way can Snapchat work for, for you? Let forget about brands. Like, how can it work for Evolve? Uh, well, I mean, if I was running a political campaign and I want to get out the vote, I, I think there probably wouldn't be a better platform. So, any anytime I'm just working on a branding exercise or an awareness campaign, 
I'd say as long as you got the right influencers, um, there's probably not a better engagement platform out there. Now, awareness to some, how important is brand awareness? Now, I, I saw a study. I saw a study. Someone, someone had posted it, and shame on me for not actually saving the 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 actual statistic or the the graph. But it said that brand awareness on the the level of importance uh, among social media marketers was, I mean, way down at the bottom of the list. In fact, the same study you might have seen this too. I think it was like fifty eight percent of marketers believed that number of posts or or uh, yeah, number of posts was like the most important part of social media marketing. Yeah. Um, I, was that done in 2010 or? Uh, I think it, no, I, this was like, I know, right? I, it, it was a 20, I want to say it was either 2013 or 2015. I can't remember the date at the bottom, but either way, uh, brand awareness was very, very low. So regardless of this was 2013 or this is now, I mean, either way, brand awareness was so low. Why is it, that many in the digital or social space feel that awareness is so that not really important. Like where does that, like in what, in what world alternate universe does a brand not care about potential consumers being aware of their product? Well, a uh, fair question. So uh, at least when people hire us, they are looking for a return on spending money outside the organization versus inside the organization. So inside the organization, if you're working on a branding campaign, that's fine, in my opinion, to use Snapchat as long as you can get enough people to follow you or if you want to pay for influencers to talk about your brand or your business. But when they come to me and they say, you know, we need to move the needle either with revenue or some kind of lead conversion. There's always a KPI metric that we're being uh, held to. It's never awareness. A, it's very hard to kind of measure that. I mean, you could do surveys before mm -hmm. and after surveys to figure out if, if that's true or not. Uh, but it's a very wishy-washy metric. So when they're spending money outside the organiza organization, they want a hard return. They want to see that, okay, we spent... $50,000 with you over the last three months, what did you bring in return? Uh, and that's what we're held to. When, so you're talking hard return, the types of businesses, what, what types of brands are these? Are these business, are these B2B brands? Are these consumer electronic brands? Are they um, fast casual restaurants? What kind of clients are you sure. talking about here? I mean, you, again, if you don't yeah, have to name no, specifically, but what, to what industries are they in? Uh, all of the ones you just mentioned, uh, I would add fashion, <laughs> I'd add fashion and beauty. Uh, but I'd say half of our customers are tech, uh, B2C, uh, or tech B2B. So our business is kind of split B2B and B2C, probably 50, 50, uh, B2B won't even touch Snapchat. And I, I think you'd even agree. It's probably not the best place for them now. Yeah. I, I, it's B2B. The only play I see so here's the thing with with Snapchat the the play I see with B2B is simply that thought leadership but again you have to try and you know you have to connect with people that care about that type of stuff on there. So yes, there is a disconnect for the B2B space um if if not done properly. If you're just going to throw, you know, throw it up against the wall and see what sticks, it's prob it's definitely not going to work. It not probably it definitely will not work. Um if you can target you know, just though not target, but if you can add those that are uh, interested in what you have to say, okay, I could see it as maybe a potential 
uh, a potential play there. But no, in the grand scheme of things, right now as it sits, it's not um, it's not my go to. It wouldn't be my top three. Let's put it that way. Um, but B to C, you know, I feel the plays a little differently, and that you know, and I use I use examples like Coca Cola because they're they're so prominent on the platform now. Aside from spend, the amount of money that Coca-Cola has to spend or Taco Bell, and they're using influencers. Uh, you know, we just recently saw a campaign. AT&T sent a couple influencers, uh, from what I understand, fairly well compensated influencers down to the final four to do stories. You know, what did at and I'm asking you this, what does at and yeah. have, you know, because I, I got asked the question a few times too. What does AT&T have to gain by sending four or five guys down to, and it wasn't just AT&T for the record. Coca-Cola sent mm-hmm. somebody down. Um, who else did I see? There was AT&T, coca There was a couple other brands that sent influencers down to just Snapchat. And yeah. some, some of them Snapchatted from the brand account. Some of them Snapchatted from their own personal account. Some of them Snapchatted from both. What do they have to, what do they stand to benefit there from that? Sure. So, uh, I mean, first of all, you're talking about companies with hundreds of millions of dollars dedicated to marketing. So of they course, can allocate, course. they can allocate a million dollars to try and experiment on, on anything they want. But I think there's a smarter play involved here. I think they're preparing for the time when Snapchat becomes more marketer friendly. So here's an interesting thing. Once I started being challenged for this article, I reached out to everybody on the Discover tab and not a single person would go on record with me. Uh, so, you know, I, I have to think, uh, and that rarely happens to me, right? I, I mean, I'll call somebody up or email them and say, hey, I just want to write about the success of your campaign. And we'll, you know, we'll do a big article on Forbes about it. We'll put some promotion behind it. I, I think my, my uh, batting average on that is probably 999 but with Snapchat, it's been zero. And by the way, if anyone's listening to this and they have a brand that's using the Discover tab or just a brand in general, uh, send them to my way. I'd love to talk to them. But the fact that no one's going on record tells me that either the ROI isn't there quite yet or and they don't want to be exposed to it uh, by their superiors or, or whomever, or they feel like you know this is a, a secret weapon for them that's they're killing it and uh, they don't want to, to let their competitors know that either. But I suspect it's the former, not the latter, and that they're hoping that Snapchat becomes more marketer friendly and they'll be way better positioned than anyone else when that that day happens. You you, you made a comment about um, you know they they have the money and their marketing budget to to kind of throw out an experiment, but why would a brand like that? And, and I think you answered it. And I'm just going to ask it anyway. And, and you yeah. can just say I already answered that. But why would a brand just throw money at it just to experiment? And I, again, I think you answered it. But if there's a different answer, go ahead and throw it out there. Well, I'll expand on a little bit. I think there's a lot of people saying, you know, Snapchat is the place to be. And, and it is. It is the place to be. But as a marketer, it, uh, in my opinion, it's not yet uh, ready to, to be there. Uh, but they they figure, hey, if this is where our target audience is, we better develop a presence there or we're going to be left behind when this becomes more marketer friendly. That would be if I'm thinking to my if I'm thinking about all the, the boardroom meetings or the, the marketing meetings I've been in within these large corporations, that that's probably the thought process going on there. Mark, explain the difference if you think there is one between a brand marketer and a marketer. Um. So for me, a brand marketer is somebody that's really ultra focused on the brand. These are the people that will call me up and say, 
hey, you're using the wrong hex code for the logo that we, we need to put on this <laughs> website, right? Yep. They're so, uh, the, I call them brand Nazis. Oh yeah, uh, but they but they 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 have a, a function, and that is to make sure the look, the feel, the messaging that comes across to it to their target audience uh, emboldens the the feeling that uh, the brand wants them to have a, a, about that brand. So you know they they have a purpose. Uh, some of them just go too far with it, but brand marketers that I've met are and focused entirely on that type of thing. Whereas marketers, I consider myself more of a, a, a general marketer. We're looking for top of funnel type of results. And we want to deliver MQLs. If we're B2B, we want to de- deliver marketing qualified leads to the sales team that are actually qualified. If it's B2C, we want to drive conversions. We want people either taking an action that leads to a sale or gets them pretty dang close to it. So I put myself in that camp, not in the brand marketer camp. We do brand marketing, but I'll, I bring in some brand experts uh, to help us with that. Yeah, and I mean the reason I mean the only reason I asked is because, and I agree exactly with what you said. So uh, no no disagreement there. The reason I ask is because some will say there's a difference, and I know we kind of use the term. Sometimes we use the term marketer as like a general term for everybody in marketing or anybody that posts on social media. Well, they're a marketer and I'm like, okay, well let's, let's, you know, so I do, I think in a future podcast episode, I do, I want to go deeper and define what a marketer is because so many have this, so many are confused by it. People will come to me and say like, I'm a marketer and I'm like, okay, cool. What do you do? And they're like, oh yeah, you know, I, I post to Facebook. I'm like, all right, you're like, <laughs> you're a community manager. I mean, right. is there or strategy? Like, yeah. What's your strategy? And they, you know, they've got no idea. So, um, listen, this was a good discussion. I'm glad I yeah, had I you on here, even just to have you on here, talk a little bit more about agency and, and getting the listeners to understand there's more to, you know, agency life. Uh, agency life is so sexy or or it appears so sexy to many, but there's so much more. And then I think even just having this discussion shows that there's a lot to think about when considering platforms, strategy, B2B, B2C, um, you know, like you, I mean, you mentioned everything from direct mail to, uh, startups with nobody in house. I mean, those are like two completely different sides of the spectrum and how to handle that. And, and so, for anyone out there that either works in an agency or thinking about starting an agency or, you know, doesn't know what an agency does, it's a lot more than just being sexy and traveling around and, you know, doing all the fun stuff. The fun stuff is the outside, but, you know, Mark is a, is a prime example of somebody that's kind of boots on the ground every day and, and, you know, getting his hands dirty. So thank you, Mark, for taking some time uh, with me. It's actually right in the middle of your day too, or maybe at the end of your day. Um, but, I, I do appreciate it. Let the audience know where they can find you on social, you, your agency, um, and any links obviously will be in the show notes for everyone to reference. Yeah. And, and uh, thanks for having me, Vincenzo. I, I think, uh, you know, we should come when we should do another one of these, a follow up to Snapchat when uh, they become more marketer friendly, at least in my opinion. I know you think they're there already. Uh, but you could find me uh, on Twitter, Mark Fidelman on uh I think on Facebook, it's facebook.com slash Fidelman. YouTube, uh, we've actually uh, branded it Fanatics Media. So it's youtube.com uh, slash Fanatics Media. Evolve will be moving to Fanatics Media as a new brand. 
Um, and then of course you said that it'll be in the show notes. So I'll make sure that uh, you have those links. Yeah, we will definitely get all the links. Sorry for the uh, howling beagle in the background. Uh, it's it's a little different. It actually scares me because I'm not home right now. And uh, usually I have my little 10-pound min pin who sounds a little differently, different than that. So startled me as well. Listen, I will get all of that in the show notes for everybody uh, to reference. Check out Mark. Check out his stuff everywhere, specifically Forbes. I will link the article that we talked about. And I really want to call... Uh, on all the listeners right now to check it out. Let us know what you think. Reach out to Mark on Twitter. Reach out to me on Twitter. Snapchat us if you want. Um, and just let us know what you think about it. Uh, and, and and again, Mark's call earlier. I just want to reinforce that. If you know somebody or you are a brand that is using Snapchat, specifically in the Discover platform, but if you're using it um, at a larger scale, uh, let us know, and, and and you know either Mark will will get in touch with you and and talk a little bit about that, or maybe we'll get you on the podcast as well. So, Mark, thank you Great. again, and and hopefully I'll see you soon. Likewise, and uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, take care. This has been a VincenzoLandino.com production. Thank you for listening. If you enjoy the Brand Boost podcast, please give us a rating, write a review, or subscribe. Head on over to BrandBoostCast.com forward slash subscribe.